Start recording. Wonderful. Look at that. Look at us. We're doing it. <laughs> that means we really got a timeline on this one. <laughs> I was kind of, I was thinking about if it would be a fun gimmick for the show for us to, um, no matter what, at the 30-minute mark, the recording stops. Like, it doesn't matter what we did. It's like, beat the clock. It's like, we got a lot we want to talk about, but the timer is ticking. I think that could be kind of fun. Yeah. We'll see. I'll start a... I love that. I I think it's really it's a funny solution to finding um like a closing phrase slogan for the show is just that it cuts off at 30 minutes no matter what. I think that's okay. <laughs> Oh boy. Yeah, I haven't heard any riots. Okay, you wanna dive into this guy? I'm feeling good, I got a new segment that I'm gonna drop on you. Oh, I did mean to look up I meant to look up the name of this one thing. Um, the TVA. Yeah, that is interesting. I didn't even notice that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, probably not. We're probably reading into it too much. All right. Sick. Um, I'm going to go ahead and hit start. I'm going to turn off my AC2 out of solidarity. There we go. All right, here we go. Hey, what's up? Yep, let's take that back. Yeah, it's good anyway. That's why I fucked up the intros, because we hadn't counted yet. Two. Four. Six. Eight. <laughs> I think that's okay. Yeah, counting is fun. <laughs> dude this is uh this love of counting is going to leave you lead you down some dark paths and it's going to be the gritty Joaquin phoenix joker origin story of the count from sesame street Yeah. How why didn't Sesame Street grow up with its audience? I mean, come on. All the people that loved Sesame Street when they were kids, they're all 60 now. How come Sesame Street? Give me 75-year-old Big Bird. Hmm. I think Avenue Q Dude, Lauren and I were talking about this the other day. Avenue Q just taps into this thing. There's like a whole subgenre sub of shit where it's like thing that looks like a kid's thing, but it's doing something inappropriate. Isn't that funny? Like there's so much like weed paraphernalia where it's like Dora the Explorer, but she's got like bloodshot eyes and she's holding a blunt. And it's like, who's this for? Who's like loving this? You know, that whole Melissa McCarthy movie was like 
puppets, but they're naughty, and it's like the one comes and silly string goes everywhere, and it's like, oh, isn't that funny? Yeah. But I think Ted is funny because the stuff they're doing is actually funny. Like, it, it is from a funny person, and it's acted well, and... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, Mark Wahlberg as a frustrated, like, kind of lame loser guy is a really good comedic role for him. I think it plays into his weaknesses as a comedic actor. Uh, and it makes him look like, like framing him as someone who's frustrated and just can't make it work makes his comedy chops look better because it's like, I don't know, it's, it's highlighting him in a really good way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and the other guys too. Anytime you put him up to somebody where he just has to be really frustrated, I think that's his his best thing. Like exasperated and frustrated and wants it to work, but it doesn't work. Yeah. Just that. That's my. Yeah. How is she? Uh, the other guys is really funny. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Mm hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, let's hit it. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Nerdy 430, the show where comedian Tim Keck and I nerd out about stuff that we have watched lately. Uh, I'm Kevin Bauer. Today we're talking about episode three of Loki on Disney+. Plus. Tim, what did you think? Yeah, I got to go with you there. I, I think that, uh, I mean, the first two episodes, they set up some really, truly cool shit. But honestly, in those episodes, Owen Wilson was still on the show. I was really loving watching Owen Wilson. This episode, no Owen Wilson. And it hurts for it. Um, I, I like Loki as a character. I enjoy him and stuff. You know, he's got his own thing. But I consistently don't enjoy watching him in this show as other people on the show. Um, Sylvie in this episode I thought she was great I liked watching her way more than I liked watching Tom Hiddleston and I'm on record the last time we podcasted saying that I wish it had been Phoebe Waller-Bridge I've never I've never seen this actress in anything else uh, so then this episode was the first real exposure I've had to her she's fantastic she gets the coolest fight scene that we've seen in the show so far in the very beginning in the opening um, I just I, I find her more endearing than Tom Hiddleston 
Okay, can we talk about that real quick? Uh, Lady Loki, Sylvie, and Tom Hiddleston have such good chemistry that I spent a good amount of this episode wondering if they were going to hook up. It's such a, yeah, it's such a fun, weird, fucked up idea uh, that I really want to see it happen. Um, Man. I think you nailed it. It's, yeah, it's too much too fast. I would accept all of it a lot better. We got the note in the first episode. He asked Mobius how long he'd been there, and he said it wasn't too clear. Time moves differently in the TVA. One note where we hear Loki saying like he's not sure how long he's been in the TVA or something like that we can infer it but I want to hear it actually said so that we know like for all we know this Loki we're watching has been in the TVA for five years that would make some of the character changes that are happening with him a little bit more palatable because it's it just I'm thinking the same thing this is the same Loki that just is fresh off the Battle of New York and now suddenly he's completely fine just wearing a suit and a tie and being kind of like an errand boy to the rest of these TVA people. And it's like, yeah, he has an ulterior motive where he's trying to get to the timekeepers, but it, it just seems like a lot because it's so different from what his life on Asgard was. Like, they didn't wear ties. It's just a massive, massive change, and we haven't really seen that much that justifies it. Real quick, I do want to go back. I think you nailed the heart. Uh... Oh, thank you. It really is. Because he wouldn't necessarily have to. We don't know when we saw other versions of like Loki variants and other multiversal versions of Loki in that quick like hologram projection. They all look radically different. So, and again, I, I mean, we can, we can assume that if he was wearing his full-on like Loki attire, the horns, the even just his like trench coat or whatever it is, that um, he would look sufficiently different from whatever Loki they're trying to hunt. And... You know, if that's not the case in world, 
fucking write it. So that is the case. You're a writer. You have control over this world. Anytime I get hung up on one of the things like that, where it's like, oh, they can't do that because they, the TVA wouldn't be able to tell the two Lokis apart. Fucking write a thing so that the variant Loki wears red or something. Like, you can, you can make it work. It's frustrating to see that. Yeah. Which is the, uh, it's the frustration we talked about last time we did the podcast too, where it's like, look, ostensibly the show is just called Loki. Even the title sequence, we're seeing the letters in Loki shifting in and out of different fonts, different styles to kind of convey the idea that there's a whole in the whole multiverse. There's all these different variations on Loki. Um, and we should be getting to the heart of who this character is. We should be seeing the different variations of Loki. And then when we're seeing the core tenets that make them Loki, we're realizing, okay, this is who this character is. And ideally, like, this is specifically uh, the MCU's take on Loki. This is what makes the MCU's Loki, Loki versus, like, Sylvie. Um, and we're not getting any of that. It's something Spider-Verse did perfectly. Where Spider-Verse, weirdly enough, is like, I think, maybe the best Spider-Man movie because in seeing the concept of Spider-Man through a bunch of different lenses, you get that uniting factor for, like, this is what makes a Spider-Man Spider-Man, regardless of whether it's Miles, Peter, Penny Parker, any of that. Yeah. Well, I was going to... Oh no, it's all good. I I'm gonna circle back to that later, but because uh, I think it'll it'll flow naturally later. But uh, what I want to say for now is, um, that's what has this episode frustrating me so much. Is that I feel like the first two episodes we were setting up the arc that the rest of the TV show was gonna follow, and then the third episode feels like a departure from that arc. And it feels like it slows down the progress in such a way that now I'm not sure what the rest of the show looks like. We're at the halfway mark. There's three more episodes of this left. But I still don't feel like we are closer to finding that overarching theme of like, this is who Loki is supposed to be growing and turning into. I don't know that we've seen enough of like the character progression steps and, you know, the the Joseph Campbell uh, storytelling device framing whatever you want to call it i i i'm not super satisfied with where we are so far uh and i think my big complaint with this episode specifically is that it didn't need to be a whole episode we can have this interaction between these two characters and it could be like a scene or two they spent most of this episode fucking arguing and it wasn't like compelling fun arguing it was like they were at loggerheads and they kept trying to kill each other and it's like we don't need to keep seeing that we get it we got it the first time it happened. We can move on. Yeah. Yeah.
I think that was the thing. Yeah, it's Whiplash. It's specifically because they were setting uh, Sylvia up to be this, like, really, yeah, this this massive threat. Uh, we hear about the way that she has been planning this time bomb effect on the TVA for years, which also the years thing is a little bit strange because I don't know. Again, we've talked at length about how time is weird in any kind of a show that involves time travel. So saying that you've been setting something up for years when you're a time traveler, I don't know if that has the same weight. But she's been planning this for a long time. She's pulled it off, and we see in the very beginning of the episode, again, the best fight scene we've seen in the show so far. And then we immediately get to a point where she's just kind of helpless. And that sucks. I want to continue to see her being a massive threat. I think it just means we're going to get a bigger bad there's going to be another Loki, and that's going to be the Loki that our Loki and Sylvie have to take down together. But Ooh. I suspected it all along. Again, it was nice to have that confirmed. But as soon as they had said that the TVA created, the timekeepers created them and the employees of the TVA have always been there, the entire, the TVA felt a little too human. And I was thinking the entire time, these are people that died. Or the revelation that they're all variants was super cool. Because that puts the extra framing in of how I thought it was so strange how in the first couple episodes that one agent was so aggressively anti-variant and was talking so much shit at Loki about it. And then the realization that she's a variant too, it's very, it's very interesting. She just doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's all McGraw Hill. Yeah. That's my one supposition, too. We've talked about the concept of what if Sylvie is the Enchantress and not a Loki. I think it's possible It's possible to just go with the route that this Lady Loki becomes the Enchantress. Uh, I also think that there's a chance here that Sylvie might not be a Loki. We haven't heard her talk that much about her past, so her past is still kind of a mystery, our Loki even brings that up. I'm wondering if she's concealing her past because she's not actually a Loki. She's dressed as one for some reason. She's trying to tell the TVA that she's one for some reason to conceal her true identity. Absolutely. No, but I think it would be consistent with the rest of the show. The rest of, the rest of the show having seemingly no interest in giving us rewarding character information about Loki.
So speaking of speaking of bummers of episodes, this episode is I talked about how this show in general is really similar to Doctor Who. This episode is the most similar to an episode of Doctor Who that the show has done so far, and I mean that in a bad way. This reminds me of it's the same kind of a bad lull filler episode that Doctor Who is full of, and it shares some other big similarities with Doctor Who as well. Tim, when did you know that this whole episode was being shot on the set from The Mandalorian? They did, uh, well, they, so they're using that thing, it's called Stagecraft, which is the giant screens that are so, it's, the the product is called Stagecraft, they're not using (laughs) that. I learned about this in a theater class, it's called Stagecraft. Um, (laughs) The the Meisner technique, they, uh, so this thing, Stagecraft, it is this giant set where there are these screens that they project live in the room a uh, backdrop onto so the actors can see the backdrop, the CGI backdrop that they're in front of. And the backdrop moves with parallax effect with the camera. So if the camera moves to one side, the background moves accordingly. It allows the director, the filmmaker, whoever is there to make sure that they have the right focal length for the shot and it allows the actors to interact with the backdrop a little bit more. I notice that you can totally tell that it's in play in the second episode when they go to uh, the volcano eruption. Just there's something about it. You can tell it's not quite right in the background. In The Mandalorian, they have it tuned fucking perfectly. There's so many shots in that show where I watched a behind-the-scenes feature on it. Never would have known that it wasn't a practical set. For some reason on Loki, you can 100% tell. They are not nailing it. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's very B-movie, and it stands out to me because the production design we've talked about in the TVA is so good. And just to have that contrast between the sets, like the actual practical sets they're in, looking incredible, and then any time they go to a timeline, it immediately looks like a low-budget episode of Doctor Who. It just throws me through a loop. Even when they go to the grocery store, the Roxcart grocery store in the second episode looks wonderful. It looks like such a practical, it's supposed to be the year, I think, 2050 in Alabama. And it looks like what Walmart is probably going to look like in 2050. There's like a robot running through the stores, but there's still basically the same brands that we've seen. Nothing really looks that different. It doesn't really look like a Jetsons future. It just looks like a boring consumerist future that we are probably going to have. Yeah, let's do it. Agree. 
Yeah. That was one of mine, too. It makes no sense. Who are these weird space cops? Everything is collapsing around them. Nobody would be paying attention to that anymore. Yeah, what the fuck was that? <laughs> it took me out of it. It was ridiculous. It was so insane and beyond anything we've ever seen the character do. Explaining the magical powers, too, is the wrong kind of character details that we should be getting in this show. We don't need to know the minutiae of how the powers work. We want to know more about this character, what makes the character tick as a character. This show also has an unbelievable opportunity based on the way that it's been framed up, where we have this Mobius character that's been studying all the variations of Loki for decades. This show has the unique ability to tell us a lot about a character and have the information not be coming from the character themselves. Because if it's coming from the character themselves, it's always going to be subjective, and it's always going to require some kind of, uh, some kind of a moment in the story that explains why your protagonist is describing themselves as a person to somebody else it's kind of a it's always kind of hard to write yourself into that situation where we have this unique opportunity for owen wilson to lay out to loki exactly what loki is like we get a little bit of it but when it comes time to do the actual uh, meat and potatoes of what the character's saying it's again coming from our loki to sylvie in a very unearned conversation it's really strange Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So, uh, yeah, that's one of my beefs, for sure. Another one of my beefs, not since the first couple episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, has there been such egregious, egregious uh, exposition in the fucking dialogue. 
we get it when we see a line of poor people outside of a train and rich people are being let onto the train. We get it. We understand there's a class struggle going on. We don't need multiple iterations of one of the poor people going, you're only letting the rich people on board. What about us poor people? Look there, that person, they're rich. I am poor. Yeah. 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 We see the line. It's totally unnecessary. Ugh. Oh, man. Do you have any thieves for this episode? Yes, that was wonderful. That was great. It's legit great world building. Hmm. Definitely. Yeah. The only thing that really stands out is the reveal that the TVA employees are all variants. Because when I did assume that they were humans, I did not assume that they were variants. And I think that's a very specific twist on it that makes it a lot more interesting. So I like that a lot. And I'm really curious to see what happens there. But I think that's about it. I like that they I like that they explicitly said that Loki was bisexual or pansexual. I didn't I guess I had always just assumed that that was understood because the character in Norse mythology is gender fluid and pansexual. So I didn't know that that was a question mark, but I like that it's made specific because I know that it's nice for representation and it's nice for people to see that with a really popular character and feel seen. It really confuses me that there's backlash to it. It makes a ton of sense for the character. Again, it's in the mythology that the character is based on. How it's it's built into Loki as a person. I don't understand how anybody has an issue with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the fucking director. <laughs> well, yeah, didn't they cut a scene in Ragnarok that confirmed that Valkyrie was either bi or gay? I thought there was a scene... Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it was exactly what I'm talking about. They're just kind of bickering and I don't know, quibbling the entire time and it's not in an interesting fun character interaction way. It's just in a way that's annoying to the viewer. It just feels like it's not productive. Episode could have been a scene and we could have gotten all the same core reveal reveals. I This one bummed me out. Uh, what other segments we got? Oh, I I kind of did, but we already talked about it. I was going to call it uh, Backlash Backlash, and I just wanted us to have Backlash to the backlash that's out there. Um, because there is, un unfortunately, there is backlash from people who are like, oh, you made Loki by? And it's like, just fucking log off and jump off a bridge, man. Like... <laughs> I just, I just don't understand. Yeah, you should. <laughs> uh, what are the segments that we have? Uh, we did, do you want to do the reckless high insight? Yeah, let's do it. So you wanted to do, let's do hindsight. So Tim, you wanted to do, a new segment you wanted to do reckless hindsight instead of reckless speculation so how do you picture this going
Yeah. I was going to say the exact same thing. Multiverse of Madness. Oh my god. Let me tell you this. I love this. I love this. I want to make two small tweaks to it. Number one, I'm on board with everything you said, except for when we do the team, when Sylvie reveals the team. If we do an episode where the team goes into action, I'm picturing like the heist episode they did in Mandalorian, where by the end of it, pretty much the entire team that was assembled is in jail on this place they're breaking into. They're like breaking into a jail. They all end up in the jail. I want the same thing where she's assembled a team. We see the team go on a mission to accomplish something. And the Lokis on that team are getting picked off left and right. That way, by the end of the episode, they aren't dangling threads. And we've established to our Loki that Sylvie is the most dangerous one of all because she doesn't give a fuck about any of the rest of their lives. They're just pawns to her to accomplish her game. I think that's interesting. Also, the only other tweak that I would do, take that S off there. You keep it as just Loki. Because I think that's, I think this is exactly what we should be doing with the show is we're seeing all these different variations on the same character and then we'll, we're seeing what makes them this character and what makes our version of Loki our version of Loki. So I still think it's exactly like what we talked about. It's a situation where we use the other versions as a mirror to reflect our Loki back on himself. I love it. Just have Justin Timberlake in there. Justin Timberlake comes in as a variation of Loki that is Sean Parker from The Social Network. He looks at the title card and he says, drop the S, just Loki, it's cleaner. A million Lokis isn't cool. You know what is cool? A billion Lokis. Yeah. Ah, oh, I'd be a blast. It'd be a blast. It would be so much fun to watch that. Especially, I, that's the one thing that unites them is they all act like that. It's so funny. The team was never supposed to work. She knew it would never work. They're Loki's.
Mm-hmm. I think that's all I got. I really hope that the fourth episode is better. I'm starting to lose faith, though. Me neither. Bye. Complain and praise is very funny. <laughs>